every year um, to kind of take a second and assess uh, the past year at the church and then uh, the year ahead of us. Um, and so this morning we'll do that. We will um, take a second just to kind of reflect on where we've been in the past and then uh, kind of cast some vision for uh, 2013 as we head into the future. So normally on a Sunday we'll um, be in text a lot uh, in the scriptures and so we'll still look at some text this morning just because I can help myself. I don't know what to do up here if we're not at least looking at the Bible in some sense. Um, but that's our, our goal this morning. I think it's a good goal for us. I think it's always a good opportunity to come back and ask the question and really kind of dive into why are we here? What are we doing here? Um, what's our purpose? What do we want to do? What have we done? What have we tried to do and not done very well? Um, and then what are the kind of next steps for us into the future? So this February will mark my fourth year, um, four years completed of pastoring here at First Colony, um, which is still crazy for me to think about and crazy for me to wrap my head around. There's an old saying, which is, if you put up with a pastor for his first couple years of ministry, you deserve him uh, <laughs> for his next three or four. So uh, you put up with a lot, okay? So hopefully now we're reaping some fruits and, and some benefits um, of our, our ministry. And so it's been a great year. We can just go ahead and put that on the table for FC Cube 2012. And then we've got a bunch of good things um, looking up for us in 2013. But I want to base our time this morning in Hebrews chapter 10, okay? We'll pick it up in verse 19. If you remember, we preached through this book a while back. The author of Hebrews, the, the Holy Spirit, says this in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that is open for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." Okay, the book of Hebrews is a sermon. It's a word of exhortation is the word he uses. And from a pastor to his congregation. It's a young congregation, we know. And it's a congregation that's struggling. It's a congregation that's faced with the temptation of giving up. Um, whether it's from persecution or just from being distracted. They're faced with the, the offer, with the temptation of just kind of falling off the path. And so this pastor writes Hebrews and, and the whole book is really one focused message to keep going. Don't stop. And he tries to attack this message in 25 different ways, okay? He encourages them. He gives them examples. He gives them stories. He warns them. He says some pretty shocking things in the book of Hebrews. I mean, he's pulling out all stops to get this congregation to keep going, to get them to keep walking in their faith. And here in chapter 10, and, and what I think is a very powerful passage, he gives them two kind of reasons why they should keep going, and then gives them three, three commands, three things he wants them to do. He says, since, therefore... Since we have confidence, since Christ has died for us, since we have his blood, since we can go into the presence of God, and since, in verse 21, since we have a great priest over the house of God, since we have someone who is presenting a sacrifice to God on our behalf, who, who stands and intercedes with the Father for us, who watches over us, who's guiding us into the future. Since these truths about the gospel, since these truths about God and his word and his plan of salvation are true, there are certain things he says that, that we need to do as a congregation, as the people of God. The Christian life, what, what FC Cubed is, we might say it's a, it's a theological reaction. Okay, We exist, we come together because God has done something. 
because God has done something in history, because he has come to his creation in the person and life of his son, and he, he died and he rose again, and, and because he sent his spirit. And then because at some point in our lives, individually and corporately, he came to us. At some point, we were found. At some point, his spirit started working in us. For some of us, we might even still be at the very beginning of that process. But for whatever reason, we find ourselves gathered together here. And the author says, since we have these truths about what God has done and is doing for us, he says, first, let us, in verse 23, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Because we're, we're sprinkled clean from evil consciences. Our, our bodies have been washed with pure water. He says, let us draw near to the presence of God. Let us worship him. Let us draw close to him. Then he says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promises faithful, let us not lose our grasp on what we believe and what God has done for us. And it's this last exhortation that I want us to focus on this morning as we think about our church and our past and our, our future. He says, let us consider how to start up one another to love and to good works. Not neglecting to meet together. This is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. A couple things to, to notice about this command, this exhortation. He says, let us consider how to do this, how to stir each other up. There's this, there's this idea of intentionality here. That for you and I to do what we're supposed to do as a community, as a church, we need to kind of put our heads together and brainstorm. We need to be intentional. We need to know where we're going and why we're going there. One of my favorite Proverbs in in chapter 4 of the book, verse 26, says, If you want to know where a man is walking, look at his feet. Look down. Look at the steps that you're taking, and you know where you're going to end up at. And and the author of Hebrews is saying, Consider. Think through this. How are you as a community going to do this, going to accomplish this this purpose? And and the purpose is to to stir each other up, to, to help each other, to motivate each other, to push each other forward into love and into good works. Into this double love that we've talked about, loving God and loving our neighbor, into this spiritual maturity and spiritual growth where we come to know and experience the presence of the Lord more and more and as we come to share in the mission and his work in creation. He says, as a community, you've got to continually consider how you're going to do this, how you're going to stir each other up and continue to push each other forward. Remember, he's, he, he wants his congregation not to give up. Not to fall away. I think that's a a temptation for most of us. Whether it's through distractions in our life, so just shiny little things come into our life, okay? Um, Relationships or jobs or pressures um, or or even just kind of hobbies, they come into our lives and they kind of distract us and we kind of find ourselves falling off of the path of really pursuing Christ and really digging into Him. Or whether it's, it's problems in our life, whether it's sicknesses, deaths, relational issues, he says to, to really do this, to really continue in this path, you're going to need each other. You're going to need this community. He says don't neglect to meet together. Don't neglect, neglect to get together with each other. Don't neglect to come together and to worship, to come and, and to take part in, in the sacraments. Don't neglect to come and to fellowship with each other. You, you need to do this as a team. You need to do this as a community. We, we've talked about in the past, and we went through the book of Hebrews, this idea of liturgy. The idea that the Christian church has decided to get together regularly for worship. And this is something that's planned out. This is not something that we leave up to our our emotions or to our desires or to our feelings. And so we have these planned times where we come and we worship. Whether we we feel like it or whether we don't feel like it. Whether we feel really confident in in our walk with Christ or whether we don't feel very confident in our walk with Christ. Whether we are distracted or whether we are hard-pressed by troubles, we come and, 
and we worship and we come and we meet with each other. And, and people who, who do church as a hobby miss out and they don't just miss out on kind of what you, I mean, they don't miss out on the fact that we don't get their tithe. Okay. And we don't get to brag about the numbers and our seats, that kind of thing. But you miss out on this, I think, deep spiritual growth, this deep spiritual formation that happens when you find yourself in a rhythm of worship and a rhythm of community, when you find yourself continually reminding yourself and, and focusing your attention on who God is. I mean, that's kind of the idea behind the, the evangelical kind of quiet time where, where you kind of find a time in your day to sit down and be quiet and to, to pray and to read your Bible. It's this focusing yourself. It's this continually coming back to the throne of God. Again, whether you feel like it or not, not whether it's convenient for you or not whether it, it works out into your plan or into your schedule, but because this is what you do and this is how you're going to keep yourself formed together. And he says, because of what God has done and is doing, continue to come together, continue to stir yourself up toward love and to good works, because without that, you might fall off the path. You might, you might not keep walking. The, the author of Hebrews uses this kind of historical paradigm, this kind of historical scheme, um, example for you and I to, to kind of find out where we are in life, what's happening around us. So he, he looks all the way back to the Old Testament, to the people of Israel, um, God's people in the Old Testament. He, he notices that they have kind of this two-stage plan, this two-stage experience in their salvation that God accomplishes for them. So they're slaves in Egypt, Okay, under the rule of Pharaoh and his army, they have these promises from God that, that they would be his people and be used by him. But they find themselves in slavery. They find themselves downtrodden and, and crying out to God. And, and he hears them, and so he sends his, his messenger, his appointed one, Moses, to come, and he, he leads them out. And, and so you have the Exodus, you have the ten plagues, um, you have the killing of the firstborn in Egypt, you have the big crossing of the Red Sea. They get out, uh, out of Egypt, and they're free. They have this, this first stage kind of experience of freedom. But that's not the end goal for the Israelites. The end goal for the Israelites is to go somewhere. It's to go to the promised land. And in between the freedom, the exodus, and the promised land, there's this space called the wilderness. There's this, this place that they wander around in, in the Sinai wilderness. And he, he uses that kind of experience from Israel's past as this kind of historical type for what we're experiencing as the church, okay? So as Christians, we have this kind of initial moment of salvation behind us in the past, we have Jesus' death, we have his resurrection, we have his life. We have the inaugurating of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. But, as we're all aware, we're not really where we're supposed to be for all of eternity. God's work in creation is not done. He's not finished the, the work of salvation that he started. And the author of Hebrews says, Consider yourselves like the Israelites in the wilderness. Okay, Between these two stages, between the, the starting of your salvation, but but before the, the consummation, before the finishing of it. And you're in this wilderness area, and the wilderness can be a dangerous place. It can be a place where you get tempted to fall off, where you get tempted not to believe, where you get tempted to stop holding fast to your confession. And over and over again throughout the book, he's going to say, what you need in this wilderness area is you need a group of people who will come together and remind you of what's happening in the world. Who remind you because if you're like anything like me, you're prone to forget, and you're prone to stop believing. And you're prone to stop seeing it around you. So you need people who will come in and speak into your life and remind you of what God has done and is doing and will do. You need friends and family. You need worship. You need to come to the table. You need to experience baptism. You need to do what the church does. You need this community of people. Now, if I were to ask you this morning what the mission statement of FC Cube is, okay? 
We've got a lot of regulars here in the room. Um, if I were to ask you, what's the mission statement of CQ? What is it that we have formulated as kind of our core purpose? I wonder how many of us would be able to get it down. How many of us would have it down? Um, I'll tell you what it is. Our, our mission statement here is, and perhaps we should should maybe impress this a little bit more. It's, it's to glorify God by making disciple-making disciples of Jesus Christ. Doing glory to the Father by creating people who are disciples, who follow after Jesus. Who follow down his path, who do what he's commanded. But then it doesn't stop there. It's people who also join Christ on the command he gave to his disciples, which is to go in to make disciples. It's this multiplication effort, okay? It's not just adding disciples, but it's adding disciples who will then go add disciples, and then go add disciples, and then go add disciples. That's kind of the great plan of God through the church. It's, it's this people movement. We've talked about in the past, uh, like sneezing, okay? It's this virus, the good news. And you, one person catches it, and then you sneeze it on other people. Perhaps it's a, a good metaphor for this time of the year, as I think that kind of thing is, is running around for us. So that's our mission statement at FCQ. And then our, our core values here, we have four core values, kind of family traits. These are kind of things we want to be known by, things we want uh, to, to be characteristic of us in our community. The first is trusting God. We want to be people of faith who hear God, who, who sense his prompting, and who follow him in faith. We want to be people who accept unconditionally. We want to be people who don't put conditions on, on love, on God's love, on our love. We want to be people who, who say it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to, to come here and be, be broken people with, with questions and with doubts and with struggles. Um, so, so trusting God, accepting unconditionally, and then teaching the next generation. We want to be a church that, that raises up um, young people and gives them a place at the table, um, helps form them into the next generation of leaders for the church. And then our, our fourth core value, our family trait, is serving selflessly. We want to, people who, who want to be a people who give up our lives um, for, for the purpose of God and for, for God's people around the world. Um, and so uh, as we, we end a year in 2012 and as we begin a year in 2013, we want to come back to this kind of mission. We want to come back to these core values and we want to press forward, okay? We want to continue to stir each other up to love and to good works. Um, as we think back on 2012, okay, it was an exciting year for FC Cube. Lots of very interesting things happened in 2012, um, so I don't know if I think most of us were here for this. Who can forget the great flood of 2012? Okay, we had a plumbing problem upstairs in the bathroom, and within a couple of days we were missing about half of our walls here at the church, um, and so we, we got through that. Um, we had, uh, for the first time in four years, uh, I called in sick on a Sunday morning. This was maybe a little bit more exciting for me and for those who had to, to step in uh, for me. Um, and it was actually, I didn't even realize this, Chris, I didn't remember this, you weren't there that Sunday either. So it was the first Sunday that Chris or myself had not been here for a second service. And so um, I woke up on a Sunday morning, it was in May, and just felt awful. Uh, I kind of collapsed on my floor there for a little bit and, and called in and was like, I, don't, I can't come this morning. Um, so, and I think Rich answered the phone and, and he was like, well, what do you want us to do? And I was like, uh, good luck, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be there though. Uh, and so... I asked things go. I don't know if you remember that, that Sunday, but, but people stepped up um, and, and worship was led. And uh, for second service, Jake got up and, and gave a sermon and then some people shared. And it was really interesting because uh, what I heard that day, Sunday, and then for the rest of the week uh, was that it was just this great service. It was just this amazing time. Um, best sermon they'd ever heard, okay? Uh, most spirits ever moved in the congregation. As is par for the course, I think. I don't know what I was expecting. 
Um, but I get an email from a, we had a visitor that Sunday. Uh, his name was Russell. And I get an email from him a couple of days later. And Russell works uh, in churches and works in church development up in uh, the northern part of the country. And he sends me this email. Um, and he, he concludes the email like this. He says, in my work, and I, say, I share this with the leaders when it happened, um, but I'll share it with you guys today. He says, in my work with our church and our area in general, I struggle to determine what makes a thriving, growing, and spiritual church. Being at FC Cube on Sunday demonstrated to me what this is as well as anything. You can be very proud of your church, what you have done, and what Christ is doing in it. Um, and I thought that was kind of characteristic of our last year here at 2012. Um, we've had some adversity, we've had some, some bumps in the way, um, but there, I think there's something, and I think you're here because you recognize it, there's something that God is doing here. There's something that, that really he's, he's working on here and working on in our hearts and working on in our community that, that we just can't deny and can't, can't run away with. And um, I mean, if I could share with you more emails, I, I would, um, but we get comments like this a lot um, from people who come and visit or people who don't live in town um, but would love to, to be here, or people who have left us and three years later still haven't found a church that they can that they can stay with just because they have FC Cubed in their hearts and they have this kind of benchmark of what a community um, and what worship should be like. So we look back in 2012, some, some highlights, some things we did um, that were really well. Um, we had some great outreach in 2012. Uh, we partnered with East Fort Bend Human Needs Ministry um, and were able to pour a lot of resources into them. So we, we spent some time this summer building a garden um, and, and we got some uh, plants and, and vegetables and fruits growing over there um, that will kind of be this renewable source of, of food for them as they minister to the community around us. We sent some volunteers over there for some other projects, um, organizing and shaping and, and moving things over there. East Forbidden Human Needs is a, a ministry that serves the area uh, around us and serves people uh, who are struggling and, and less blessed than we are. And we were one of the char- uh, charter members of that community. And so we had dropped off in our partnership with them uh, over the years. And so the past couple of years, we've been really trying to push back um, and get real back involved with them and really um, send more resources their way. And so 2012 was a good year doing that. A lot of the drives we do ends up going to East Fort Bend Human Needs. So like the turkey drive that we do in November, um, where we raise uh, money for, for families so they can give out meals to families who wouldn't otherwise be able to, to have them. Uh, we partnered with Camp Blessing Texas um, for the third or fourth year that we've done that. Camp Blessing is a, a camp for kids with special needs. Uh, and so it's one of the only camps in the world that has a week-long overnight camp for kids with Down syndrome and autism and cerebral palsy and, and various other disorders. And so for a lot of these kids, the first time away from home. For a lot of these parents um, with very high divorce rates, it's their first time um, to have alone time. It's their first time to, to just be with themselves um, since their child was born. And so we've, over the course of the year, sent volunteers there. We've sent money there. This summer I went up and was able to take a, a pretty large check from the church that we uh, donated up there to provide scholarships um, for some little guys uh, who were able to spend a, a week of, of camp up there. Um, we had our Spring Creek barbecue night. We've had baptisms. We've had baby dedications. We've said this in the past. We'll say this going forward. Baptisms are a great spiritual pulse, particularly for a church who has it at their core that they want to make disciples who make disciples. Um, baptisms and then people who are baptized who see people get baptized, that multiplication happening there a very good pulse of what's happening in our church. Um, we had babe dedications um, and the baptisms. We had good growth in 2012. Um, we met our goals uh, as far as growing um, was concerned, and, and we've got some goals going forward. And that, with that, we had uh, a very good financial year uh, at FCQ for 2012, um, which is a testament to our, our leadership, to our board. Um, this goes along with the growth. Um, I think this is the most financially healthy the church has been 
uh, as far as I can remember. Um, and so it's, it's very much a blessing um, where we are right now. Looking back on 2012, uh, there are some things that stand out um, as far as how we've been growing spiritually, kind of the, the things we've been offering here. Uh, we had different sermon series that we did in 2012. So we started the book of Acts actually last year in January. Um, so I actually thought it would have been longer than that. It's only been a year, so we're still good. Uh, January 15th, we started the book of Acts. We'll be finishing up this year before uh, Easter hits. Uh, we had our victory series at Easter. Where we looked at the resurrection. We had our virtue series, um, which was one of my favorites I think we've done at the church. Where we looked at how our, our habits and our uh, daily decisions kind of build in us the character of Christ. We had our recent series on the incarnation. Uh, one of my favorite things I think we've ever done at the church here was this summer, uh, we had our Elephant in the Room series. Uh, if anyone remembers this. And so what we did was we had uh, four or five nights over the course of summer where we came in and we talked about a kind of contentious issue that usually divides the church. And so we did homosexuality, death penalty and war, abortion. Uh, what else do we do? Politics. There's at least one more. I'm trying to remember. It was cool, whatever. It was, yeah. It was a good time. Uh, and so, I mean, it was, it was very, very interesting, very, very fruitful, I feel like. Um, I, for whatever reason, don't have the ability to gauge reactions in far, as far as, like, planning goes. I never know how controversial something will be or won't be, and it really doesn't enter my mind a whole lot um, because I've always been wrong. If I think something's going to be really pushed back against, people just kind of accept it. If I think people are going to accept it, they usually push back against it or don't understand it and things like that. So I just kind of stopped trying and just kind of do what I think we should do. And I didn't really thought out the fact that, that some of these things can get really testy and some of these things can really, I mean, there's a reason they're so contentious and they divide so many people and they just kind of break apart relationships. And it really became apparent for me when we had a guest speaker come in and so the way we set it up was you had two people representing two different sides, and they kind of put forth their case, and we had a large group discussion about it. Um, and one of the people who came in got in trouble at his church for participating in the event. Um, and it just kind of, kind of reminded me, like, it is kind of a special thing we've got going here, where we can have fruitful dialogue, where we can ask questions that maybe other places aren't comfortable asking um, and really dig into the truth here. Um, and so that was interesting. We had great attendance in the summer. The probably the best attended event we've ever done. Which I don't know how it took us four years to figure out. You do something controversial, and people show up. Um, so all that to say, we're going to start a sex series next week. Okay, that's part of our 2013 growth plan. Uh, yeah, led by your single pastor. Uh, so nothing to worry about there. We. Uh, We uh, had our Election Day communion service, um, so we, start, we, we went through, survived an election together uh, this year, and so I think we were able to, to think Christianly about that and to, to focus our, our priorities on Jesus uh, during that time. We had a few elder-led prayer services. Um, overall, I think as we look back in 2012, it was, a, it was a great year. And I do think that that story that I told you of where, where I call in sick, and, and you have kind of this this bump in the road, this kind of struggle to overcome, but the Spirit shows up and, and we have people step up and it's just this beautiful time. I think that captures FCQ for me. I think that moment captures it. And I think it captures last year for us because 2012, for some of you who haven't been with us as long, makes more sense in light of 2011. Uh, makes more sense in light of the, the context we were coming out of. So 2011 was not the best year for the church. Uh, on a few different levels. We, we hadn't grown that much. We'd kind of reached a slump. Uh, we had a very hard financial year. It ended up, um, this time last year, uh, was probably one of the hardest times I've ever been through uh, here at the church. It was a pretty 
a pretty dark time for some of the leaders here. We had to make some pretty, uh, pretty big decisions. We had to let go of some people. We had to make some budget cuts. I felt kind of like a father who, who couldn't provide for his family. Um, after three years, so I kind of was at the, the end of my rope. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where we're going to go from here. And then, I mean, the spirit just showed up, and, and we had a great year in 2012. Um, again, like I said, we, we had some growth. We, we got uh, in a very good place financially. Um, and so it was just this, this great year. So I'm, I'm happy to say I think we're in a great place uh, as a church here. But I'm also um, very eager to say we've got to keep going. We've got to, we've got to keep considering how we're going to stir each other up to love and a good works. Because there's more we can do. There's more places where we can improve. There's places where we, we need to focus some more energy and effort on. And there are lots of steps we can take to be a group of people that makes disciples who make disciples. And to be a group of people who more and more trust God and accept unconditionally and teach the next generation and serve selflessly, okay? I want us to, to flip real quick to Ephesians chapter 4, which is another great passage on the church and, and how it operates when it's operating in a healthy, healthy way. Ephesians chapter 4 will be to your left a few pages. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. We'll pick it up in, in verse 1. I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unit of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But this grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. I think the idea of being communicated here is that as Jesus resurrects and then sends his spirit, he's gifting the church. He's, he's bringing these spiritual gifts that will help the church thrive and live healthily. In verse 11, we see this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. This is Paul's kind of fivefold uh, idea of church leadership, okay? The people who are going to lead the church. And he gave them why, verse 12, this is important, to equip the saints, to equip the whole body, to equip everybody, the whole priesthood of the believers for the work of the ministry, Ministry, what, what FC Cube does, is not something that, that our staff do or our leaders do. It's something that we all do. And where there are staff and where there are leaders, it's just to help us all go closer to that. Stir each other up to love and to good works. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? Again, so that we won't be like children. Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, when we speak the truth in love, we will grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we need everybody um, to do their part. We need everyone to be working at 100% capacity as our body grows and builds itself up in love and as we continue to go down the path that God has laid forward, um, laid out for us. So I've got three goals here. What the, the way forward, I think, looks like for us at FC Cube as we head into 2013, okay? Three goals. The first one is this. Um, we're going to put an increased emphasis on outreach um, in 2013. And so we want to think creatively 
and, and use more energy and focus on pouring our resources and our energies and our time and our effort into the community around us. Um, we want to pour more money into the community around us. We want to pour more time, more volunteers. We want to, in a sense, just be a blessing um, to the community around us. Um, we want, if FC Cubed ever closed her doors, we want to have had such an impact in the community that people wouldn't miss us. That the community, that, that the groups of people who are served by us would, would have to figure something out, would feel the lack of, of service there because you and I had decided to be a witness for the resurrection and had decided to, with Christ's power and the Spirit's leading, to stand in the place where they're suffering and to, to pour forward out of us. And so we've done that. Um, we've been increasing, I think, over the last couple of years. We're going to continue to increase this year. We want to uh, increase our partnership with the East Portman Human Needs um, with some other organizations as they come our way. We've built this into the budget since we've had a good financial year to be able to pour more money outside of our community. We want to be a blessing uh, to the community around us. The second goal we have here is a focus on discipleship. So we want to continue to provide routes for spiritual growth. Okay, um, We want to continue to um, provide means and places and times where you and I can grow into the people that Christ is calling us to be, more so than just Sunday morning. Okay, Sunday morning, if that's all you have going on in your spiritual life, can be a long and rocky road. Um, I think it, it takes much more than that. And so um, we, we've been doing this. We, we have places that we need to improve on this. We have um, routes that I think we'll, we'll start up uh, this year. So in the past, uh, we've done different classes, Christian education, okay, or these elephant in the room seminar type things or one night kind of get-together discussions. Um, we'll be looking at doing some more of those as ways to sharpen our minds and, and ways to, to focus on on God and, and what he's doing. Um, home groups, okay? We, we have some home groups. We have a, a woman's home group that meets during the day. We have a young adult's home group. Uh, we have middle school home group. Um, and so we want to think through very carefully how we're doing our home groups. We want to think about maybe home groups that need to be started up um, and, and just make sure that we're being very intentional on that front. Um, it goes hand-to-hand with just the community that we have here at the church. Um, we need to just be very intentional that, that we're plugging people in, okay, that, that we're getting to know each other um, and that we're growing in faith and love and, and never becoming um, kind of clicks, never becoming um, just happy with the relationships that we already have. And we have two services here at FC Cube. Um, for some people who come to the second service, you'd never know that we have a first service, okay? Some people who come to the first service never know that we have a second service. Um, it was maybe a couple weeks ago, a man from the first service and a young guy from the second service saw each other between services and knew each other, saw each other every week and didn't know they went to the same church, um, which, I mean, we're not a big church, right? You might expect that in like a large mega church. It was just very interesting to me that for months they'd been going to the same church and they knew each other outside of church, but had never connected that they went to the same 50, 60 person church. Uh, so we want to make sure that our two services uh, know each other. That's not just two different congregations. Um, our first service at 845. The only difference is music. Okay, it's more of a hymn. Um, it's just piano and hymns, more of a traditional service. The same sermon, everything like that is the same. Um, we want to grow in prayer, both, both individually and corporately. So, so we're looking for more elder-led prayer services, um, more kind of spiritual discipline um, type of opportunities where we can grow in, in doing the things that have nurtured Christians throughout history. We want to improve communication among the congregation. Um, so, so think of better and more efficient ways to get information out to you, both on what we're doing in the church and on things that are happening, um, things that are happening with people who have joined or people who have been coming or opportunities 
um, prayer requests, things of that nature um, that are out there. So increase emphasis on outreach, focus on discipleship. The last one we have here is continued growth, okay? Um, we want to see this place continue to grow. We want to see new people continue to come in. Um, we believe that this is integral to the health of a church, okay? A healthy church is a growing church. We've been found so that we can go and find people. Um, and this is not a numbers thing. This is not a financial thing for us. This is not a, a pride thing for us. This is really just because we believe this is the heart of what the church exists for. Um, we don't exist for ourselves, but we exist to go out and to share the gospel, to be witnesses um, to others about Jesus and his good news. Um, so we'll be working on, on continued first impressions on, on how visitors experience our church on what the path looks like for visitors when they come um, from visiting to getting plugged in with us um, and then providing resources. This is, again, where I think all of us come into the picture um, as far as inviting people, reaching out. We're at a new year, okay? So, so maybe we have friends and, and family around us who... Uh, maybe have this resolution to start getting plugged into a church or they haven't been plugged into a church and, and those opportunities uh, exist for us to invite and to, to reach out. And so with that, I'm issuing a congregation-wide challenge for 2013. Okay, and so everyone gets real nervous at this point. Um, the challenge is this. I've asked this question before, uh, and I'll continue to ask it, even though it makes us uncomfortable, even though it makes me uncomfortable. The question is this. Who in your life that you've been pouring into, that you've been praying for, that you've been coming alongside and ministering with, that you've been serving, that you've been loving, that you've been pouring into, who have you seen come into the faith? Who have you seen been baptized? Who have you had the privilege of being God's conduit, being his messenger, letting his, his message of good news and love and grace go through you, flow through you? How long has it been if you, if you haven't seen that? I mean, there's this really sober statistic that most people who end up converting someone else or end up sharing the gospel, bring someone into a Christian community, do that within like the first two or three years of them being a Christian. Um, and I think that's a sign of, of again, declining health, right? Because when we first become Christians, we're all excited about it. And it's more real to us. We're, we're more holding on to this confession. And then as it, it kind of grasps our hand, we kind of get into church as hobby mode, right? Either we, we stop going to church altogether, or we just come to church and do our regular thing. We get back into the groove of our regular lives, and then we go 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years without maybe doing the primary work of what God's called Christians to do, what he's given them the purpose of doing. So the goal for 2013, okay, I kind of want everyone to adopt this, and we're going to do this all year, we're going to spread this out over the year, is to bring, to find, to meet to start a relationship with one person or maybe one family, however it would work out for you or for your family, and to attempt through the Spirit, through God's work, to see that relationship through the entire stage of reaching out, pouring into, loving, serving, inviting, bringing to church, and then to the end goal of them being plugged in and being a, a contributing member of our church. If we were to all adopt this, if we were to all go through this and, and spend an entire year praying and looking and, and pouring into, I mean, I think we could very easily double the size of our church. And I think during that year, what I've found is when I try to do things like this, things that make me uncomfortable, things that, that challenge me and, and, and push me, and things that kind of rub me at a core part of who I am, it often exposes within me places where I need to grow. And so before I go reach out to someone, before I go really start pouring into their lives, I realize I've got to, I've got to focus here in my life. I realize that I've got to, to really fix things and, and get things figured out over in this part of my life. Um, I think if, if we were to do that, I think we would be a much healthier church. I think 
individually we'd be much closer to Christ. I think as a community we'd grow and we'd be pouring into each other. Um, and so that's the goal, okay, for 2013. We'll come back to this um, throughout the year, okay, as we think through it. This is not like a guilt you into trying to do something, okay? We don't have a master list, and we're going to check you off, okay? Um, we're not going to, there's not rewards, okay? I'm not promising you years off in purgatory. I'm not promising you crowns, <laughs> treasures in heaven, okay? Any of these type of things. I'm just asking maybe this would be a, a good way to adopt personally our, our mission statement um, and to adopt kind of the core ethic, the core um, personality of who we want to be here at, at First Colony Christian Church. Um, that we would, we would maybe say this year, maybe this year we'll really work on, maybe this year we'll really focus.